Today on Spectre Cinema Club, we are talking about Ready or Not. Gawain the Stallion said on Letterboxd in their five-star review, Samara Weaving's Banshee Scream lives rent-free in my head. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within. I'm one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me as always, I got Garrett McDowell. It's me. I'm here uh, having a uh, wonderful weekend and then now week after our Friday the 13th party. What, a, what an awesome time you and I had, Devon. Hopefully uh, some of our uh, listeners or fans or friends or whoever, you know, could have made it. I, I had a wonderful time. Did you, Devon? Oh, yeah, we had a fantastic time. Yeah, this was uh, super fun. Uh, definitely looking forward to, you know, uh, seeing what other events we can cook up in the future. And uh, yeah, we definitely had uh, friends of the pod that were there. We had um, Mikey Chu was there and we had uh, yeah people that listened that came to stop by and show love like Mo and other people as well. Um, but yeah, so it was a uh, it was super fun. I had, a, I had a blast. The music was vibey. We were we were doing the damn thing. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can uh, do many more uh, events and uh, it was just a little cherry on the top that we got to celebrate my boy Jason. Uh, But uh, Devon, I'm very excited to continue talking uh, all of our death game movies this month, Uh, talking uh, probably like uh, I would say a recent favorite of mine, uh, Ready or Not. I'm really stoked. Yeah, uh, the continuing on with our death games, uh, I was kind of thinking about it It was interesting because like this was uh, again, like not only one of my favorite subgenres, it was perfect to put uh, in October right after September because I will say yeah. September, I think, was some of our more emotionally and intellectually taxing conversations well we were talking south korean horror and i feel like it really does deserve it you know or this month we're talking fucking cube so <laughs> like we were we were uh like after every single conversation they were all was super great like they were very great thoughtful conversations but like i was definitely emotionally yeah. drained after like each recording <laughs> of those ones so like it's been nice yeah. that with these ones it's uh you know kind of goes more in theme about like uh primal instincts and quick decision making so like really this has just like kind of been kind of more fun uh yeah. on the fly kind of thoughts uh but uh, i know your uh disdain for movies uh or uh, i know your disdain for games with uh lots of rules uh so that'll be uh interesting to talk about today uh so we do of course have a guest joining us he is the host of the flyover state of fear podcast welcome to the show joe chincharik hey guys how's it going uh yeah that your friday 13th party looked awesome uh, at least via Twitter, uh, and uh, yeah, no, I'm so excited to talk. Uh, Ready or not, this is I'll, it's a great movie, so I'm I'm happy it's a good pick and not like you know, just an hour of trash yeah we we've had a uh we love all of our guests around here but we've had some guests who have brought movies that <laughs> it's just like i don't oh, want to yeah. shit on their pick i don't want to be like it's hard. Hey, the movie you picked is ass uh but so i'm very glad that i don't have to do that today and we get it's, to talk it, about a movie that i have a lot of fun with it's hard um but you also mentioned that you know disdain for rules on that and like this is the most straightforward of there's this is this is what you have to do yeah and this is this and it's pretty cut and dry yeah, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, go ahead, Devon, go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say yes and no on that, uh, which will definitely be uh, a yeah. big 
part of uh, the conversation uh, when we get into the film. Uh, and we'll get your feeling on death game uh, subgenre here in a sure. second. But uh, what are some of uh, your other favorite subgenres in horror? Oh, definitely. I love that you guys had this question lined up. So I've been like kind of changing my things, thinking about it. But I think really uh, uh, I've always been obsessed with anthology of horror. And that, like, any horror anthology, um, not any, I mean, there's a lot of uh, blank spots and miss, but, you know, things from, you know, the obvious, like, Trick or Treat, but then you have something more obscure, like, Tales of Halloween to, you know, more recently, like, the Scare Package series and, you know, the VHS series is really hit or miss, who actually, the um, Radio Silence, who did, you know, the, uh, Ready or Not, did a segment of VHS and now produces the Shutter ones, um, Mm -hmm. Yes, so Southbound I've not seen yet, but yeah, I've always really been uh, attracted to anthology horror, um, and uh, adjacently, family-friendly horror, and I think they go too hand-in-hand in in the sense of, like, you know, your Are You For The Darks and your Goosebumps, and then, like, later on, like, your Horror Stein's A Haunting Hour, Creeped Out on Netflix, Um, so, yeah, always, and then, uh, so, like I said, I, I flipped all around with these questions, and then the third one is... When a movie tricks you in to thinking it's not going to be absolutely devastating, I don't know what subgenre this would be, and then it just fucking ruins your day. I love that. That, is that, like sounds, horror, that sounds like, great. Like sucker punch horror. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good. That's a good title for it. I like that. That's sucker, good. That's a great title. The one that came to first one that came to mind, and no spoilers. Hopefully not. Is uh, summer of '84. It, it just, it's just, right. but you get tricked into being like, it's gonna be Stranger Things. I still need to watch that one. Sorry, it's. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, um, no, I, I, I feel you because I, I know it gets. Uh, because I, I know. I think Garrett mentioned it whenever we talked about Super Dark Times. Oh yeah, like, uh, them kind of being uh, a similar yeah. line, and 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 I know I've been wanting to do an anthology month, and we might do that maybe next year. Uh, Garrett, how do you feel about anthologies in general? I like anthology films. I think uh, what's great about them is you you can have one of the chapters in in these films that doesn't quite work for you, but the next one might. And then yeah. having that uh, that sense of variety and fun and play and and tone and subject matter, you know, really being able to to hop all over the map. I recently crossed uh, a pretty big horror blind spot off of my list with uh, tales from the hood i just watched oh, that like great. last week that was on my my halloween watch list and it was terrific like i yeah. really really loved that so yeah the anthology ones I, I i think you had mentioned the vhs series and southbound of course which of, of course is very revel- uh, relevant to today but uh the vhs films i it's been so great seeing them kind of going from era to era or subgenre mm, to like subgenre the and then yeah and, and and having so much fun within you know a decade or whatever Sure. They, and it's what's also really great with that, especially like the VHS and Anthology Horror too. it reminds me a lot of, I think, why it works for horror especially. It's so uh, staple to the genre instead of like, you know, anthology comedy doesn't really work ever, right? I was you just know, about to anthology say, I dramas. Really, I can't really think of uh, any. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, movie definitely 43. Um, and I think that leads to like, I know for myself, like I know when like, you know, when you're growing up in school, stuff like that, like you'd read short stories to learn different, like it'd be like a twists book or something. And they were always yeah. a little like, at least I always thought the best ones were always a little like thriller, you know, adjacent I me, mean, you know, talking about yeah. like, in, like the third grade or something. But yeah, it's just, I just have format that I think translates so well. Uh, mm-hmm. like, like Garrett said too, like even when they don't, it's not working for you. There's probably a story in there that doesn't. 
that that yeah. might work. It, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a like a campfire story type deal because like yes. you know like when you're with a group of people and you're around the campfire you tell different stories you know and like and they can all be like horror related and and I, I think maybe that's kind of part of the reason why it works so well for horror to be anthologies and yeah it's always interesting you know it's a kind of a grab bag you don't really know. Um, you know, but but you do know with odds are you're at least gonna like one segment, if not multiple. And yeah. I like uh, I like the different formats too. Like um, you know, it's cool seeing multiple directors, like especially like how VHS likes to get mm-hmm. these up and comers, and like is like kind of found a lot of you know the the kind of people now that we know as like you know modern horror uh, directors cool. and things like that. So it's interesting in that way and like because i've recently watched uh, terrified the uh from oh, the director of when evil lurks and like that's like a pseudo anthology it's like i love terrified that would that would be right there with the unexpected the sucker punch like that is yeah. a, literally a terrifying movie yeah having uh, a, the, oh go ahead joe go oh ahead. sorry i could ramble my <laughs> um i was gonna say with you mentioned terrified i was actually gonna say it's crazy too to think you know something like the newest slasher hit terrifier comes from anthology horror Yes. Oh yeah, Success and that does happen with as well. All Hallows Eve, right? Yeah, um, I uh, having just watched When Evil Lurks, uh, terrified, like skyrocketed so. up my my priority uh, priority list. So I can't wait to, to so are they, watch that one. I know it's the same director. Are they connected? I I think that's the word on the street is that there are uh, some connective tissue there. Okay, so yes, uh, they they are. It's uh, it's not like a spiritual sequel. I wouldn't say, but they are definitely in the same universe. Gotcha. Uh, sure. Okay. Cool. And uh, and it's funny because since I saw When Evil Lurks first and then watched Terrified, Terrified yeah. is ju- is like a fun spook 'em up compared to When Evil Lurks because that movie uh, goes really oh, fucking hard. Terrified. I... So like so that gives you an idea uh, one way or the other if you haven't seen Terrified or if you haven't seen When Evil Lurks, like because uh, even Terrified like is like goes kind of hard, but like yeah. Okay, that's, I mean, I know that's, I think I'm in a shutter in like the 21st or 27th, so that oh, yeah. shot right up. I mean, I like to go to the theater see <laughs> Everybody that I know that I uh, talk to who likes horror, I've just been in their ear, just like, you gotta go see When Evil Lurks, you gotta go see <laughs> yeah. it. It's just like, it I totally think... melted my face off. I can't wait to talk about it here. I'd am- I think it was Devon, I might have, one of your Twitter accounts, I think, said it's like, Making me giggle that Paw Patrol movie is playing like two screens oh, down. That was my uh, letterbox review. Yeah. Oh, that was your letterbox review. That's <laughs> it was so funny because it's like the most depraved, fucked up movie that I've seen all year. And I walk out of the theater and there is a small child like with his mom with a full head to toe Paw Patrol <laughs> costume. Like, yeah, I can't wait. And I'm just like, have like, I look like the the kid out of uh, Come and See at the end, of, you know, where he's just got that thousand yard stare. My and life. this kid's going to go see Paw Patrol. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And there's a, uh, we, we are, uh, we are are swimming in uh spooky season treats right now whether it be uh the feel bad movies as well and uh, we got some other fun ones uh but let's go ahead and uh, get back into our discussion on death game movies uh with our feature movie for today's episode Ready or Not, released August 21st, 2019. This was directed by the directing duo of Matt Bentinelli-Open and Tyler Gillette, a.k.a. Radio Silence, um, which we have obviously talked about already with Screams 5 and 6 here on the pod. And then, of course, yes, they have had uh, their contributions uh, to their anthology films as well. Um, This was uh, written by Guy Busick, who uh, also uh, wrote the Screams and is kind of in the Radio Silence collective uh, mm-hmm. Because it's not just a duo, like it is also like they bring along along a lot of the same uh, production designers and like effects people and stuff like that, and they they call themselves like a loose collective 
is uh, kind of the way they describe mm-hmm. it. Uh, but so written by Busick and R. Christopher Murray, uh, cinematography done by Brett Jukowitz, and score done by Brian Tyler, who we've mentioned many a times here on the pod. But uh, he's uh, done all sorts of films from the uh, Final Destination four and five to Constantine to Scream five and six. And what I didn't realize, every Fast and Furious movie since Tokyo Drift. Uh, Brian really? Tyler, busy guy. He's a real busy guy. Um, it, this was edited by Terrell Gibson. And at the box office, this did pretty well. It did uh, $56.7 million on a $6 million budget. Uh, modest budget, and I think it was really just kind of the word of mouth. Um, it didn't have like a special marketing campaign or anything. It kind of really was just like, a, hey, you should really go see this in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good time. Um, so, so it did moderately well. Uh, Joe, what do you think uh, the Rotten Tomato percentage is? Okay. Uh, it's got 320 got ratings. Yeah, it got good reviews because I, I mean, on the D, on the Blu-ray that that has that little Rotten Tomatoes sticker on it, yep. like um, like slapped on it, like remove it. But uh, I think I want to say it's like at 86. Uh, pretty close, and 89 percent. It uh, it yeah. did do uh, fairly well, and I guess maybe that also maybe contributed to box office. Like this kind of shows uh, that the pros and cons of Rotten Tomatoes. Because uh, and I think also a great demonstration of how it works. Because like, uh, you can point this out to somebody, and I'd be like, "No, this is not an eight point nine out of ten for me." Uh, but I can totally see why ninety percent of people watching this enjoy the movie, you know. And mm-hmm. and this is kind of a, a thing where people again, it was like the word of mouth, and then they go to look it up, and then they go, "Oh, look, it has a high Rotten Tomato score, and it's fresh, and like that's part of the the thing." So. Uh, maybe it did uh, kind of help it in that way. Um, it's not always evil, you know. Rotten people like to make rotten tomatoes out to like like it's evil. It's like no, if you understand how the system works, it's I, not. <laughs> you know? I just want pe- I just want people to understand it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> aggregate when, score. When, aggregate I just, I just want more people. people to just understand the world around them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, is just a microcosm of that. It's just it's, stupid people doing more, stupid shit. <laughs> it's more when like filmmakers weaponize it when it's bad. It's like you understand how it works. You're just using it. At, it's a different rant. I'm sorry. We're talking <laughs> right. ready or not. not a a, a special first. episode. Special episode for that <laughs> one. Uh, Garrett, uh, what do you think the letterbox average rating is right now? Uh, I'm going to say this uh, not very confidently because I'm rarely correct, but I'll say a 3.1. Um, a 3.5. 3.5 okay. out of 5. Okay, uh, nice, I undersold it. A nice even 7 for the people on Letterbox, which is nice and solid for uh, for mm-hmm. an overall because I know this does uh, rate pretty high on like some of the most watched uh, like kind of lists that they have. I've, I've seen it pop up at least on the horror list for like the most watched movie. So, um so it probably has a pretty good amount of scores for it. Um but yeah, um and we uh to kind of get into our uh general thoughts here uh joe you picked this movie out so uh, why do you want to talk about ready or not for death games month? Uh, yeah so when you when we were looking at the movies of death you know death games and this like ready or not really jumped out to me and it's because it is that it is so simple and so unique and does such a good job with like immediately having such great iconography and striking and it's a movie that, could, that I, I don't know it just always drew me into it i mean i literally have a uh Ari Argento Suspiria uh ready or not poster right next to me like mm. um so and it's a game I mean it's all about games and I love this concept of basically like what if the Parker brothers were evil <laughs> um and yeah that, that's that's kind of where that came from I mean I really do think my first choice was wanting to do stay alive uh but <laughs> um 
but Ready or Not is a, I mean, I, for this was probably my sixth watch of it since 2019. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Oh, so it was you that I rejected because i talked about when we eventually did watch stay alive and i gave I was you a like, list because i was like i was like i've rejected it from like three different people because i was like can we just really not do this movie and then by like the fourth <laughs> time somebody wanted to do it i was like okay fine like so, yeah so okay so you were one of the ones that i was one of the ones you gotta give the like, people what they want man you gotta like, give the people what they want i, I love like how it, that is the movie that like is the one that like has been clamored for and actually did really good numbers too i think it did the best numbers of nice. that month even like did better you know, than we're all going to the world's fair lol that that sophia bush bump guys <laughs> uh, yeah no see. it it uh it, but yeah no death games though because it's like you didn't want to go immediately to like yeah i want to talk about saw right or like mm -hmm. saw three or right? i know you guys are going through that right now and have been mm -hmm. working through them uh, so yeah, Ready or Not just stood out to me ever since it kind of came out, and I personally think it's uh, Radio Silence's strongest movie. I think that's um, fair. You know, and uh, I'm kind of happy to see that they're leaving the Scream franchise, and hopefully they get to you know do more things like Ready or Not and original properties because we had we had our fun with Scream. Yeah, I definitely appreciated this more now after seeing the Scream movies a couple times and then mm -hmm. like this was my first time coming back to this one because mm. I think I was even a little hard on it when it first came out that I was like, okay, like it's good guys, but like I didn't see like why people like loved it. But then yeah. now after the Scream movies, I definitely uh, have a, a different appreciation for it. Uh, Garrett, uh, how did you feel about uh, Ready or Not initially? How do you feel about this rewatch? Um, I remember really liking Ready or Not, but kind of being in a similar similar place that you are, Devon, or at least you initially were, where I, I liked the film, but there was a, a subsect of people that really, really loved it, which is great, you know, uh, but it just didn't quite hit me like that. I think it also doesn't help that this movie came out in 2019, a year full of, like, it was like one of the best movie years that I've ever That's had in my year, lifetime, yeah. completely stacked. I remember my top 10 that year was like all 10 out of 10s or 9s out of 10s for me. And Ready or Not, just being a very fun, good movie, it just by proxy kind of fell down my you know end of the year list even though i think this is one of the better horror movies of that year um i think it is uh really well paced is just a great easy movie to rewatch i'm you know six uh rewatches in in just a few short years i think for joe is really a testament for to me yeah it's it's well, I mean, I, th I think there's good reason for it. You know, it is super entertaining. It's really fun to put on. And one of those movies that I think you could kind of hop in at any point That's, and just yeah. want to watch the rest of it. You know, I think for me, at least it made Samara Weaving a star. I know The Babysitter uh, was obviously She's more so popular good. before this. But I feel like with this, I really, really uh, just kind of fell in love with her as an actress. Um, I do think that there are some issues that thankfully uh, upon subsequent rewatches do are just don't bother me as much mm. you know i think that it's not that they go away i just think that they're, they're still there i just don't really care as much because i think that this movie is super fun super easy breezy it also has some pretty solid bite to it and it's also funny as fuck it is like one of the yeah. better horror comedies uh in recent years uh and i could say more and i will but uh <laughs> yeah let's get into it yeah, I, I yeah. Whenever I initially saw it, I was kind of like, yeah, similar like what you just said. Like I, I, I was like, yeah, this was pretty fun. Like it was good. It's like very you know competently made, and like I think it is boosted by like I, I at first kind of classified this more as a 
you know, a good movie with a great performance. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was, and it was nice that, you know, that uh, Samara Weaving, uh, this was kind of her, like, mainstream breakout. Like, as uh, us horror people, we knew what she had been doing for the past few mm-hmm. years. I think she's fantastic yeah. in Mayhem. Uh, I really love that film. And, um, you know, so, like, we had seen what she had already been doing. So it was, like, uh, just nice that people were, like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be her, which is kind of interesting because, like, she didn't really do too much. Like, she hasn't really done a ton since then either. Like, she did uh, a few kind of, like, high-profile cameos. um, But, like, that's kind of really about it, you know, other than uh, I haven't seen Chevalier. That's, like, her, like, most recent, like, lead. I haven't seen uh, that either like substantial roles since she's uh, done this film so yeah. uh, kind of interesting she, in that way I uh, mean she's perfectly cast in Babylon as uh, Margot Robbie's like side <laughs> oh, like, part to be able to, to be her lookalike and it's it's, it's perfect um, but yeah, yeah so. no it's a really good point Vaughn to like she didn't you know she you thought maybe a few more leading roles like like this yeah. or something um, yeah no she cause I, I'm like she's a you know she's a scream queen and like yeah or kind of on there if you look at her credits at least she's in the genre oh yeah she was like but like this was like the one that like was like yeah by this point this was like her like fourth or fifth one so it was like oh yeah like she's she's here I, for us so yeah. like it's yeah Devon, Devon so, I think you're just underestimating that her G.I. Joe character from Snake Eyes is not coming back Devon we're gonna get a sequel to Snake Eyes it's gonna happen yeah didn't um, even know didn't even know she did that uh, uh, and I'm also jealous of uh, fucking Tyler uh, he got to meet her at uh whenever he used to work at uh the axe throwing place out here uh oh, he like nice. got to meet her and Good i was like him. oh damn and he was Good like i feel like she would be really killer at that you know i feel like she's bullseyes on every time <laughs> oh he said she was having a blast with it like he said she was like totally like into it like because like some oh, people yeah. go and they just like are like oh yeah we'll do it like apparently she was like really getting into it which nice. uh, doesn't doesn't surprise me you can uh, definitely see that in her performance here and and uh, but i do like it in the death games category because it mixes in different elements of the death game subgenre that i like because like we have like obviously yes like it's like the literal like this uh this game company they are essentially a cult this family uh you know uh, that you know has that but then the movie kind of goes from it being like you know that obviously taking the literal games and then turning it into uh kind of the the human hunting most dangerous game uh representation for our death game series here which i think is very mm-hmm. important in death games because i think that is obviously it's such a classic story you know of and it's uh, a very interesting primal concept of humans hunting each other, you know. So yeah, um, I I liked that it uh, kind of uh, mixed in different death game elements in this. Um, and uh, yeah, and I mean the the set the production design is really great. It's very solid. Uh, the the score and everything like it's a like uh, they they are very well sounded filmmakers. Like that is something that like you know whether however you feel about the screen movies or this film itself like you can't argue that they make you know really good looking slick films very competently on the blu-ray they um they have a few they had actually some really good featurettes of the making of and uh they went through of the how radio silence works and it's like one really works with the crew technically one's more with the actors and then the third guy is just you know considered a producer and uh, i was really interested to hear that some of the actors spoke about it you know and it's a i mean it's a produced featurette uh, but then they actually got into the production design of that and like getting to see some of those board games and some of this graphic design yeah. done up close is amazing. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that I know we've 
but still a lot to get to the movie with that hooks me into is like whenever there's just such a gorgeous title design. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, this movie's gonna this movie's gonna work for me. Like, because the then they're even thinking it. of the little details. Like that's what that yeah. kind of stuff says to me. You know, like oh, mm-hmm. like that's a that's a really nice title card. Uh, yeah. Garrett, so. uh, what were uh, some of the subgenres that were working for you? Um, like I had mentioned before, this is a uh, I would say even probably more comedy, you know, than it is horror. I, I yeah. think that this film is trying yeah. to make you laugh as much as, if not more, than it's trying to make you squirm. I think there are um, uh, really fun moments, fun in like a dark and grisly way, where uh, there's a lot of injuries that happen to various characters in this one particular involving a nail which i'm sure many are people you know it's kind of like the moment in this movie as far as like gross out you know i remember the, the crowd's reaction to that to that moment but i think yeah this is a really uh, really clever uh comedy about class and eat the rich and you know 2019 and since then that that kind of uh, motif has been so prevalent in a lot of mm-hmm. films and, and people just being wanting to kind of ram their fist through the, the top 1%. And I think that this film does it in such a clever, uh, in a, uh, a bloody in a way too. But at the, the heart of it, I think it is bolstered by that great performance of Samara Weaving and, and her, her wit and her, uh, you know, acting prowess and a lot of the more dramatic scenes or just her famous goat, you know, uh, curdling scream that she has. Um, you know, I, I think all of that wouldn't be possible without the excellent performance that I think is a, a honestly very multifaceted performance beyond just her being a great, resourceful, uh, you know, kick-ass final girl. Uh, I think that her character has so much more to her than just being that, you know. Yeah, like I definitely, like, again, like, I, I can't, like, again, like, like, try to discredit the movie because of her performance like and because like yes because a lot of the elements of the movie do center around her in such a way and the way that they utilize her is like very specific so for sure on that and like yeah the the eat the rich stuff is interesting because like now we are kind of getting a little saturated not like i mean because i do like i love a lot of these kind of movies but then like uh, once I got to like uh, Triangle Sadness, I was like, "All right." I was <laughs> like, "You're not." I was like, "You just spent two and a half hours saying the same shit that like three other movies did," you know. So it's like I, I, I definitely did. I am starting to feel the fatigue a, a little bit, and I know apparently yeah, there's even a, a few more coming out at the end of this I'm year. I'm sure there's a. It's a common motif, and I mean, this is, uh, this is just also so at the time too such a good counterpoint to a counter, uh, part to uh like elevated horror right i feel like we have a gluttony of like the serious mm-hmm. elevated horror we got a thing and this is like you said it's poppy it's fun and yeah. um even with the thematics of it right so some of the other thematics in this movie are uh not just eat the rich but um toxic relationships of yeah. manipulation and mm-hmm. and dealing with uh your your the, you know pun no i'm not it's not a pun but your her- your hereditary you know your genetic makeup and your hereditary and what you're born into here yeah um so there, there's a little more you know working on to it and they try to weave in yeah yeah Samar- they try to samara weave into this <laughs> nice. uh <laughs> yeah. i'll leave yeah um, I, I mean i i fully agree though that this is such a great counter to that kind of slight of the idea of elevated horror because when you mm-hmm. ask most people what that means it's like well it's, it's horror that has something to say and it's like mm-hmm. does this not you know this they is clearly trying to, to communicate yeah. something but mm-hmm. just because it's not doom and gloom and super moody that people yeah. just attribute these more like art house kind of auteur horror movies to be it's mm-hmm. like no 
uh, all most, if not all, of the horror movies uh, that you would claim to be the lesser B movie, you know, type of horror films are still, believe it or not, trying to communicate something because yeah. that's what art is. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like, yes. and, and and this movie does a really good job of it too because it's like, yeah, it is like very fun and like it does maybe weigh on the comedy more than some of the horror and uh, like kind of thriller set pieces and things like that. Um, but at the same time, like the uh, the the relationships, you know, uh, is kind of what's jumped out to me on this kind of second time around of like you said, like kind of not only the ties to your family, but then also like you know what does it really mean to be married to somebody, you know, especially in today's age, like because now it's like you know some people are like oh you know we don't even need to get married to like be this you know mm-hmm. type of relationship, you know, versus like you know the old traditions. Uh, that are kind of and that's also brought up as well as like okay how when do we stick to old tradition and when do we embrace new things and that's like a uh, very common too so like a lot of that stuff really stood out to me but the thing that kind of punched things down a little bit which was kind of some of the gamey stuff which because they they do this like weird melding of it like because they're they're kind of the family is basically a cult that is like following uh, you know, they, they, the, the great, great grandfather, like, uh, played this game with this guy who was the benefactor. Um, so, but then I guess after he died, he then cursed the family. Uh, so they're like kind of under a curse, but they are kind of, uh, and it's like, so it's like kind of a weird curse haunting stuff. So it, it makes the, the rules unclear because like they, they present all these rules at the beginning and then they kind of keep adding rules and they take rules away. And even though I do find, like, the lore and mythology, like, interesting, it also raises too many questions that kind of distract me sometimes from me just kind of having fun with it, you know. So the the second half, like, because I I feel a little bit of a lull in the first half for me. Um, I I feel like it starts a little slow. But then once we, like, really get going and they're able to still put the character moments like in between these set pieces, then that's when this movie is like the second half is like firing on all cylinders for me. So, mm-hmm. so it's uh, interesting in that way. They're, they're juggling a lot of different uh, subgenre elements here, but uh, Joe, before we continue on, are you ready to give us a 60 second synopsis? Yeah, let's, let's just do it. Alrighty. This is your last chance, y'all. If you, uh, some reason, have not seen this film, uh, we're going to go ahead and spoil the rest of it in all the nitty-gritty detail. Got you here on the clock in three, two, one, go. All right, so we meet, uh, we start the movie off, and there's a ceremony and ritual um, of a bride getting killed and this family. And then we're going right to, we see a bride on her wedding day, and she's meeting her husband way before they get married. It's already a bad omen. And she's like, your family hates me. He's like, no, they don't. Fast forward, wedding happened. And this family is very uh, stuck up and stern. And they have to play a game on game night. She draws a card that is hide and seek. And she laughs it off. Immediately then realizing, oh, they're trying to play the deadliest game and kill me by seeing the maid died. Learning through this is slowly the movie finding out that there is a, this is actually satanic cult stuff. And that they need her for a human sacrifice while also still knocking off pieces of her new husband's family. Then to just get kidnapped and uh, be put in a position, but weasels her way out of it. And uh, everyone explodes and dies at the end. What? Yeah. Except for Mara Weaving. Yeah, the setup is very 
is very easy but then like especially like a you know we like to talk about elevator pitches here on the show you know like what's the you know the quickest way you can mm-hmm. sell a movie to somebody and like this one's a you know real easy one like oh she marries into a family that you know uh you know ends up wanting to hunt mm-hmm. and kill her you know it's mm-hmm. easy in that way but then the movie like i said like piles a lot on of it being so like, you I, know so I, like i think it i i like i, I so i've never come in it never came to it with that right so it's interesting to hear that because you know i always just took it as all right their person their family the lapont made a deal with the devil your family will have generational wealth and you'll be doing this and this but you have to find you have to get married at a certain point or it seemingly does and if that is the case you will then you know and if you don't and they don't and you cannot give us a blood sacrifice you will, uh, you know, bad things will happen in your family. They allude to that. And I kind of like the kernels we get of there's other people in their orbit of this cult, too, that um, have not listened to the rules and they die, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, so-and-so died. I thought it was a house fire. It's like, no, they all, you know, they didn't listen. Um, so I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's as complex of this lore and rules. I mean, yeah. Um, I think it's a little more simplified, um, but obviously, you know, you saw something different in it, which, uh, I just never came to it with that. I was always like, okay, cool. This is, this is the curse. I also think that the film is pretty simple in regards to its lore. And I think if anything, the movie kind of over explains the lore to the degree that I'm like, no, I got it. Like, I know. Like, to, but I, I like the lore. I think it's interesting. I think it's also very applicable to today's day and age. The idea that these people made this deal with the devil in order to accumulate their wealth. And if they are asking for this generational wealth to be passed down, you know, to their grandkids and their great grandkids and all, you know, per, uh, along their their family lineage, it makes sense that that curse would involve bringing new people into that lineage because obviously if you're not marrying and procreating you can't have grandkids you know Mm. so i like the idea to where it's like okay yes but if you're bringing somebody new into that family you have to play a game of chance with them just like you're doing with me now the idea that they are making the deal Mm. with somebody who may or may not be the devil i feel is certainly uh a uh you know a condemnation and a, a a comment on the, you know the the wealthy in our day and age of the things that they do and the the people that they step over in order to accumulate that wealth. I'm I'm not saying I'm confused by the concept or the oh the I didn't rules think you were it. at all because I, I totally get it and they do over explain it to a bit. I mean also more in they kind of start overstepping with the the family lore in history gotcha. is kind of more where mm. I'm hung up because it's like yeah. okay like when do you have to get married when does it uh, who is looped into it and then it's like when, then we have the evil butler in on it it's like wait why is That's he in on this that's confusing part you know so it's that... like so so there's like family history things that they keep adding on that then kind yeah. of uh, stumbles on the you know for the the, the storytelling See, of the movie but i'm it, not it's, but the concept is clear do you think something like the butler is more of like how in the omen how the maid is like the protector of you know damien and is just a member of like is like is bought into you know i mean i just don't know i was like is he i was like is he getting paid bigger bucks i was like did he swear himself willingly to the family like not having to go through a marriage thing like you know so there's just like questions like that or like also like when it didn't link up when they say 
the mother's like, oh, I've only seen this once since I joined the family. But then there's a point where Alex is like, oh, well, my cousin's person went missing. And then my uncle's person went missing. And they're like, so it's like, mm. okay, so what is the actual knowledge that this family has of this? And that, and that is interesting because it's a lot of this is also based off of their assumptions. And it kind of turns into a bit of a mystery, too, on like, wait, you know, who believes, you know, the actual effects of this? And then, like, you know, we see that play out at the end where it's like, wait, so it, was it bullshit or was it not? And then, you know, we get that payoff. So it's yeah. it's uh, it's all interesting. There's a lot of threads. Yeah, I will say with the butler, in my kind of headcanon, I think it's purely logistic. You know, somebody's got to clean up. Somebody <laughs> has like to be field, there. I guess. That's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. He, he's showing up and it's like, look, dude, we'll give you money. We'll give you a place to sleep. You know, uh, all that kind of stuff. You just have to be okay with this one thing. But you is know? He, I think but that that's kind of why they keep him around. I mean, because he gets killed before the explosions happen. So I guess that's more what I was curious is like, is he doing it because oh, he's worried yeah. he's going to explode along with them? Or is he just doing it because he likes the money and is like, yeah, you know, so like I think yeah. he's a follower of the devil and likes the money. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he's um, just kind of like, look, I'm here for the money. I'm here for a payout. I'm not I don't get so, on all the hippy dippy shit. But I mean, I do. I think I like the mystery of kind of the lore of yeah. what other family members have been involved in this, because I think it's kind of what Devon was saying, that it contributes to this idea of is this horseshit? Like, is this, you know, especially on that first watch, you're wondering if this curse or this thing that they're going through all this work to, because I think that this movie sells that it would be the kind of movie to be like, no, these people are fucking crazy. It doesn't because exist. They're There's also no cursed, we, and they're we, we just they're, they're just afraid idiots. of losing their wealth and hoarding their wealth that they're willing to do these crazy things. But then it's you know almost becomes funnier that it's like oh no, it actually is a curse, and you got that that really effective That's, ending. So yeah, the ambiguity and the mystery and the convolutedness of it all, I think it really contributes to that surprise of the end. Sure, that's definitely Adam Brody's character too, right? He's like, "This is full of shit. I'll meet you for breakfast. I'll meet you for brunch tomorrow." Yeah, exactly. Um, but one thing I've noticed on these more watches too is how manipulative, and this goes into the I think knowing some of the lore and not the lore is how manipulative her husband is, right? He's so <laughs> charming in this, mm -hmm. and just the fact that he's like, well, she kind of agreed, you know, agreed to be here, meaning marry me, but he, in his knowledge, they know all this. They indoctrinate these kids as early as they could be and then we learn you know he's the one who saw the only one who's ever seen uh lapon because i we you know that that always makes me chuckle that it's just an empty chair mm -hmm. um and but the fact that he's doing all these things and he like he like no it's like it's very it's just really fucked up because he knows it all and yeah and what you notice on this every person's spouse they bring in they're all perceived as either you know broken characters or like have these tragic backstories where a deal with the devil to have money and you know the lifestyle they live is is better than anything they came from right the adam brody's wife like alludes to having a you know where i came from we don't yeah. learn where she came from we don't need to and i'm like oh shit is that worse than samara weaving you know because mm -hmm. she's just an or like for her we're just like she's just an orphan who loves ripping cigs and uh you know is you know just like yeah. that's kind of her story doesn't have family that was about it yeah. liked her yeah. foster family well, I, I think that really contributes to this is that she's not seeking this material wealth she's seeking connection and when at the end where where you know she confronts him with like how couldn't have you have told me he's like well you would have left you know it's like yeah but your idea of controlling somebody shouldn't be an excuse to put them through this terrible situation and she is fine leaving this all and killing every member of this family because she so, doesn't give a shit about the money. Well, you know, it, it's all about, 
you know, everything. And, and I wanted to talk about, you had mentioned the, the boyfriend or the husband of, of Alex. And I know the, the boyfriend in Midsummer gets uh, all the, all the hate in the world of being like the worst boyfriend in yeah. horror. I contribute that he's not even the worst like partner of 2019 horror. Cause <laughs> Alex is way fucking worse in this movie. Oh, he's way worse. He is, he is absolutely <laughs> in the pantheon of worst horror husbands. I tweeted that out while I was watching this. Cause like, I totally like, I mean, I remembered how pathetic he was, but like man uh you know because because the 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 Moss family is so fascinating because like really all the characters yeah are interesting in their own way you know like you said charity you know kind of has this more implied backstory and like i mean hey look at her i i could fix her she's worth it i get it girl <laughs> like you know like I, I don't blame adam brody uh one bit uh for him and charity uh but then like fitch is like one of the ones that he he thinks it's bullshit and he's like i haven't seen anything all i had to do is play old maid like it's whatever you know and i feel like he's what like, the fuck is old maid yeah and, <laughs> such a good line <laughs> he gives me the vibes that like he's like maybe like uh like because he him and uh the sister they do have kids though too they're the only ones that have actually had kids in this as well you know so it's like there are like the the family dynamics are so fantastic but yeah like kind of starting with alex though is just like yeah he like his whole thing is because he kind of is back and forth he's like well i saw things as a kid but then i also don't believe that you know we have to keep doing this so he's like mm -hmm. kind of on the fence but at the same time he yeah uses that of being like well, if I would have told you, well, left, and it's like, well, if this is truly the person you're in love with, and you trust that she's in love with you, this is something that, like, that's a that's a first, you know, great wedding test of like, hey, like, I'm gonna, I gotta let you know, like, it, it, like, so it's he he gaslights her and what her assumed feelings are multiple yeah. times throughout the movie, My and he's a piece of shit. Dabbles in the occult a little bit. It's not that serious, but <laughs> yeah. just you know. He also thing. might try and kill you, or we could play checkers. He's I mean, it could to, go either way. He's trying to play. A, he's trying to play all sides of it because he's like, "Hey, there's only one card. I just assume by the odds that you would be okay, and I wouldn't have to tell you about this." And that's just like, bro. Like, even if that percentage is so low, like that's not your odds. Those are her odds that you're playing yeah. with. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's also not even the, the percentage people. of getting hide and seek as a possibility here. It's the idea that she might have to do the same thing years later. Yeah, you know, like if this is happening once exactly. every thirty years or whatever, it's Some, like it's yeah. like yeah, you made it out this fucking time, but who's to say when you know uh, the cousin Eddie forget fucking gets married to somebody, you're not gonna have to kill them now. Which is which is why I find it fascinating because like she seems to be the only one that like didn't know ahead of time. Like you know like Fitch obviously like Fitch kind of like you could tell like he n had knowledge of it, and then we find out that Adam Brody did tell Charity. He's like no, I like I told her ahead of time, and it's just like why yeah just like why wouldn't you he is just mm -hmm. uh ooh, yeah world-class piece of shit alex is yeah yeah it it the, yeah the dynamics of everyone and just it's like i said it shines so much more on that second or third watch of like you said how much he's gaslighting a piece of shit when you know the motives behind yeah. it um and then adam brody being the exact juxtaposition and i would note here of like adam brody is a low-key scream king like oh yeah he has a nice his nice resume of genre but he shows up in this movie and is is such a nice counterpoint to it because he, he you do feel the whole time of like ah, we don't need to be doing this poor girl and he's along with kids um and then like just while we're kind of talking about the cast too is like I mean how great is Annie McDowell uh she like she's an actress who anytime she's ever showed up I'm like oh yeah I forgot how much I like Annie McDowell on yeah. screen yeah um, she she's great. <laughs> 
Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's she br- she always you know brings that kind of that like um she like feels like that like kind of old school like kind of sixty sass in a way like uh, like that she like brings so like in a in modern films and yeah she's 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 really great and like in uh and oh my god uh aunt helene is fucking hilarious her faces and responses and everything and like she's the only one not clapping at the wedding just like certain like little things like every time i see aunt helene on screen i was like cracking up i love also is in cube which we discussed last week oh is she oh it was her <laughs> I just didn't fucking, I just blew uh, Devon's mind on the podcast <laughs> because you said that she was in Ready or Not that gal, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Who is she?" I did not realize it was her. Oh my there god! Go. Okay, <laughs> it makes sense because I mean, she's giving camp and cube also. Um, but yeah, like and and like I said, like in and we do get a lot of this like char- character stuff. Like we get a lot of the character stuff in the beginning. Which is fine because we do have to set things up, but like I feel like we get like the most interesting nuggets, like even when they kind of come later on, like kind of more interspersed. So that's the only reason I say like the the beginning kind of feels a little slow for me. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you guys think about uh, kind of the the balance between uh, the, the the comedy and the more horror thriller sections of the film? Um, I think this film is very well paced for me. I think that's one of my favorite things about it. I think it is uh, quite. It really does move. I think the maybe the lagginess that that you're feeling, Devon. I think could be a result of just kind of knowing what's coming and just sort of wanting to 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 get there. And I think that even affected my first watch of this film because the marketing of this movie just essentially told you what it is. They really didn't try to hide, you know, what was the great elevator pitch of this movie. And I I think it is because it is such a good premise that you kind of uh, that's you know almost worth the price of admission alone. And I think that on that first rewatch, especially on that first watch. Um, especially sort of wanting to, to, to get there uh, a, a bit quicker. But I think uh, on the rewatch, it does actually help that there is good setup. I think it does a good job of introducing the members of the family and establishing uh, Grace as our final girl and getting to spend time with her and her relationship with Alex. And even though, yeah, we know he's a piece of shit, in the early you know part of this movie she's in love with this man and this is somebody that she put a lot all of her trust into which i think makes it all the the sadder and almost the more tragic on the rewatch so for me i think this movie is is actually very well paced mm. uh yeah i did the pace always i always liked the lull into it and like kind of learning the wedding day and these little kind of details of the people and i think it gets i personally thought we got i think it gets to things quicker than you realize but i think it's a great point that both of you kind of made of when you know the concept of it getting to it, it it's kind of like okay i do want to just see that action i just felt that way when watching saw x right like the, the okay i kind of want to see some jigsaw shit right now right yeah. this so i understand that um no i think that it's really well paced and i you, uh, you asked about the balance between the humor and the horror, and for me, this is like now been thrown into uh, like starter horror, where like my wife hates horror movies and like the irony of it all. But be like, oh, I'd have no, I'd have a confidence, like no, we could watch this, yeah, and you'll be fine. It's it's a little violent. I mean, pretty violent in some moments, but yeah, nothing you can't handle. I think it's. Uh, I actually think this is my bold prediction of this movie's life and history is. When Spirit Halloween gets their hands on the licensing right, it's going to now have this resurrection that's in that uh, like trick or treat or something's gonna have, you know, like mm-hmm. because of like like the movie's there and it's 
it looks good enough and the the, the budget's there and the bones yeah. are that people go you could sell it to someone right so the elevator pitch and they watch it yeah and i think that pace and that comedy has a lot to do with it yeah like uh and unfortunately i think a lot of horror or a lot of poorly paced horror comedies when they get slow or fall flat you kind of you that's when it really loses you and you get back to it and you kind of have a few things to go well how great was that one scene but you're kind of like yeah but that was 30 minutes into the movie you know <laughs> into the movie and then another sure. and i think this movie does a really good job of avoiding that right like all of a sudden we're falling in a vat of goats and it's like oh shit they sacrifice goats and they just leave their corpses and like like that's such a i know i'm jumping everywhere but that's such a good like yeah he's twist to me and mm -hmm. the inclusion of then then you know shooting her punching a kid out and samara weaving has just such great uh like what the fuck face all the time like watching her transition from i'm so excited and yeah this is freaking weird i don't know if you, i've been in that scenario where you go over someone's house and you're like all right i'm i'm playing along with it and then you're kind of like all right, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. here uh this that movie really nails this tone that yeah tone I, that. you were talking about kind of maybe having this um resurgence uh with with modern audiences and i think that this certainly is even though it's only a few years old i think it really could be due for sort of that uh, a reprisal of that um, I think it also helps that this feel this movie feels like such a vibe. Uh, the, the, I love the the interior of, of all of this. Uh, I know they shot a lot of this like on location and this was actually like these, you know, historical mansions and everything. I think mm -hmm. the 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 production design and the lighting of everything, I think it feels warm and cozy in sort of a weird way. Um, and I, I think that a lot of folks around, especially around this time of year, you know, in the fall time, I could totally see people wanting to kind of uh, throw this on again as a, you know, there are some fun moments, some violent moments, some funny moments, but ultimately it is just this really enjoyable movie that, again, I think would be perfect to just throw on, you know, around yeah. this uh, this time, especially for those who haven't seen it or don't know what this movie is. This is a cuffing season movie. October, November, yeah. September. Yeah. Like, this is a great cuffing season movie. You know, everybody, when you go to weddings, uh, they, they always tell you, uh, don't bring, like, someone <laughs> you're in a relationship with to a wedding unless, like, you are willing to, like answer that question when it inevitably comes up during the ceremony <laughs> hey uh like what you know what, what would you want to get married you know so it's like uh the, i think a problem with a lot of horror comedies is they'll stick to one type of comedy and then it kind of gets old and gets yeah. like a little repetitive what i like about this one is like we have not only the obviously the the situational comedy in some of these like more uh in the horror sequences so you have the horror comedy of like you know something bad happening but then somebody reacting a certain way or things like that or things happening in a very like realistic fashion like this kind of has like mm -hmm. a tucker and dale uh style of comedy yes. with the horror comedy but then you also have the comedy of the just being able to relate to uh, getting married and like having in-laws and like these kind of the the more yeah. you know uh, i'm just living with them guys re relatable type of things you know so it's like <laughs> it, it transitions the comedy really well so it doesn't get old like you get many different types of it so it does really work in that way and, and yeah. you can totally see why uh they were chosen to do scream like i think that as mm -hmm. uh, as far as uh you know B that balance but then when you kind of see uh, uh some of the more kinetic action scenes in this which we uh, again uh, I, they really doesn't come till the end because like the the way that 
uh, Grace is like kind of shedding layers of herself, like you know, until the finish line. Because be, because then by the final stretch, like she's like one two piece in people, like left and right, like it's nothing. But it's only yeah. after she's including, already, like, including. Say it with me now, a child, and that's what we love to see around here. <laughs> you guys mentioned it, and this is like the uh, the shining great like Grace, literally, yeah, uh, of this movie is that. You have a final girl actually, oh, just, okay, I, I'm murdering the people that are trying to kill me. I'm not trying to not do that. And sure. she goes for it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, amazing. Because yeah. you don't see that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, she just hits the child because she's like, Georgie, you're not going to. And he just pulls out that gun and shoots her in the hand. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, because she like uh, she tries the escape route a few times, you know, and I think it's like once she does escape, but then gets like wrangled back in. That's when she like really has had it and is like, okay, like you know what? The only way I'm making out of this is everyone dead in this house getting burned down. Like you know, like yeah. you see that switch like when she ends up back at the house, and it's just like after that she is all gas, no brakes, and I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah and I think there I- is a real reason that so many people have looked to her as being not just like a great final girl, but being like one of the final girls. My you know, I think that. <laughs> yeah, I think that way the way that this movie ends, you know, and that that final you know shot with that great line of you know in laws, like of her just sparking up, and there's the fire of everything just burning down while the, she's the got, most you know, earned blood cigarette all over. Of, yeah. uh, of any horror movie, yeah. maybe ever. This, like she earned that yeah, cigarette it, so much. It's, it's I know so this isn't ba- okay. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Those oh, so I know this isn't okay, but this movie makes smoking look awesome <laughs> hey, sure people know i'm a smoker I, I i don't put it down you know there's worse vices yeah. in the world but what a, but, but, but a yeah. therapeutic uh, one though like she she earned that shit yeah yeah well i love that she also is this sort of badass for you know a, a different definition of what a badass final girl can be because as much as i love your your sarah connors and then you know somebody even like uh, i forget the character's name but you're next you know making oh, them yeah. super ruthless and cutthroat rather than kind of this reluctant person who's forced to do these you know terrible things and again like joe had mentioned isn't just running and trying to escape the entire time but is being active about their survival and Mm -hmm. i love the detail that you had mentioned devon of her kind of shedding these different layers of her dress to where if you look at it at the beginning and then at the end you really get to see this physical transformation that she's made there's a four. I believe there's four dresses. It's it's literally like it's mm-hmm. such a good point to bring up. There's yeah, four uh, dresses. Shout out Avery Plews is uh, the yeah. the costume designer, which uh, was like yeah very important. She like starts using parts of the dress like when she chokes out the the butler with like the piece of it, and right. she uses it as bandages. And yeah, like I I love the. Uh, the iconography like i mean everybody you know how many people in wedding dresses with you know converse and shotgun like you know like it was a very easy costume to and like but it was like it's a great final girl image yeah for this category there's a really good i noticed that this watch too and i think because i was thinking of it how the movie math and this won't be part of my math so i'm not ruining um they do a really nice fake out where they're trying to set it up like die hard at first Mm -hmm. where when she takes her shoes off to go do something i'm like you're like oh is she gonna be running around like barefoot like it's you know that die hard knocks there's a lot of nods to other movies in this movie i mean Mm -hmm. you know so um i like that fake out no no we just we get her in really cool yellow chucks like yeah it also is a hello commercial for cigarettes and chucks yeah (laughs) those two things exclusively (laughs) and and, and i'm I'm not sure why they like like you said i think it might be have to wait to be like a spirit halloween thing on like when they're like start selling these boxes 
Give me the ready or not label box. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's there's too much like iconography in this movie. Yeah. Um, and like, like I love Trick or Treat, but that's the most recent one, right? Like out of nowhere, all of a sudden it's everywhere, and it's because Spirit Halloween has rights to it, right? Killer Clowns is oh my going god, turning right the now. ready or not box into a drinking game. <sighs> so another thing that say is that this movie is also I could turn this movie into a great drinking game because it's a really like if you've like engaging enough we could chat during it like you know yeah, we've all yeah. seen it and be mm-hmm. like do you know maid die or you know yep. another maid dies or another yeah, kind of great drink and that's bit. such a great bit such a good bit um yeah and yeah i mean i, I love that scene though even the dumb waiter right we get we get a dumb waiter decapitation of the maid and it's literally like kind of her first kill of just yeah she starts screaming being like i found her oh but i'm not gonna die yeah I think um, there is a. Uh, I think part of the charm of this movie is sort of the reluctancy, not just from Grace, but from everybody. That even some of the other members of the family, like this, is kind of they're new to this. You know, they're using these old fucking weapons that they're having to look up YouTube videos so to even funny. see how to work, which is such a great sight gag. I fucking love that moment. But these people who are just sort of fumbling about and like they're killing their own maids. You know, they're shooting family members, like all this crazy shit. I think it does. I you know I could see how people would say that it kind of lessens the threat of this movie but i think it's important that if this film was just these rich people who were super well equipped and were knew how to use all of these tools to their disposal i think it would just be your next where i think that this film does a great job of having a similar kind of uh you know a core to it of this you know this idea of this person coming into this family uh, you know this rich family they're an outsider and then you know murders start to happen for mostly money reasons i could certainly see uh the comparison uh but i do think that this film does a great job of standing on its own two feet pretty confidently like it, it, it like really has that spirit of like playing games like of a game night like kind of mm-hmm. feeling to it which is uh, which is interesting because then you you know you can kind of look at each of the family members in themselves is like you know these different kind of game pieces or like different things that like uh, oh, like yeah. in, in the way that they respond to it because like you said like certain members of the family like aren't trying to hunt they're just supposed to watch the kids or like one person is just supposed to keep Alex you know away so that way the rest of everybody can like everybody is supposed to have these roles uh, but then they are like also so bumbling and like mal equipped that their plans fall apart like super fast and it's them like trying to uh you know do this because like again like they pretty much mentioned that like you know it, it only happens so often so like you know each time it happens it's very different you know and they keep mentioning that too like oh well we have to do it this way by tradition you know so so these old school weapons and no cameras but then at one point when they're trying to change the rules up to like make it better for themselves like i love the the line where he goes he's like He's like, well, you know, it's uh, not LaBelle's fault. He grew up, uh, he was alive before (laughs) cameras. Like, it's stupid. Like, he's like, we have cameras, so we got to use them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They incorporate technology perfectly in that. Um, I, I Even like how the OnStar card dies, right? It's like, oh, it's reported stolen. Yeah, like another element of you couldn't do that in LaBelle's time. Um, God, what's the the OnStar operator's name? I forget. Justin. Oh, I have it. Start I the fucking it. car, Justin. <laughs> so Justin is uh, the na- the voice sounded so familiar, and so you know I watch too many movies. It's Nate Faxon. Um, he was in Beer Fest and Club Dread. He was the director of The Way Way Back, and the the guy who uh, oh. won the Oscar with Jim Rash. Nice, um, nice. for uh, The Descendants. I was like, that voice is so familiar. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, but yeah, dude, that that 
the the fact that yeah like everyone's just a, their own chess piece or different character of a yeah. game and they're i mean uh what's his face the the, the the one husband like you said was watching the YouTube videos of the crossbow and then he hands it off I think to his wife he says, hey, you take this no he hands one. it to his sister and then the sister, sister. kills the second mate again and uh, yes and, and I love to like um with uh these like kind of family dynamics like uh it kind of felt similar to um when we were talking about the host how like when this like messy family kind of gets back together and then they like kind of revert back to like them their like younger selves in a way. And, like, that's, like, kind of how all the siblings, like, kind of, they, they kind of fall into their, like, usual sibling place, you know, of, like, you know, eventually, you know, Adam Brody's character, like, kind of takes the reins of, like, being, like, you know, making a big brother decision to, like, try to, you know, do the right mm-hmm. thing versus you have the, the sister that is, like, throwing hissy fits and, like, tantrums and screaming and, like, um, all this stuff because she's doing a bunch of coke. Uh, so, like, it's, like, I like how um it it like everyone kind of falls in line to like you know the the kind of uh old school traditional uh family yeah. tropes but like also them being just like bumbling idiots they're all kind of evil and spineless in their own ways as well uh, yeah just so messy so fun well speaking of which uh emily who is portrayed by melanie scrofano is also in saw six so is like almost a death games legend uh, she's one of the the folks in the the merry-go-round that's getting oh, shotgunned oh that is yeah. her yeah 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 Oh, that, yeah, look at that. Look at that. Tons of connective tissue all over this movie. Yeah, and uh she definitely um you know, maybe uh maybe she uh has that in her contract. She's like, "Hey, uh, like I I want my I want there to be a 50-50 chance I survive of uh in a death <laughs> game movie. You got to uh give me those good odds." Um yeah. so going into the end of the film, I'm curious on how you guys thought because cause even though like the the movie especially by like the trailer I remember uh definitely didn't hide the you know what it is like oh hey like this is going to be a wang they're going to be hunting her down and everything but they didn't get into the kind of again like uh the this uh haunting uh cult aspect of it um because that is again like kind of a mystery you go back and forth like you know how much of this is bullshit how much is it uh not and it's like I could see the case for either one. I feel like the the ending could still work, whichever way you go. Um, however, I will say that I was like happy that it did. Um, you know, have an overtly you know kind of supernatural connection into it. Just like kind of gives a little fun flavor, and of course, like the the visuals of the this shitty family like exploding uh, was uh, super fun. So like, um, what do you guys think about how you know the the ending confirms like the more supernatural elements? Um, I think it ultimately really does uh, work for me. I love how, again, it is building off of this mystery that has been around the entire film of wondering, you know, how how true is this tradition, which I think is 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 really apt to be in a film about, you know, marrying into a family and then kind of inheriting all of these traditions that happen, especially with one that is, you know, of this extremely, you know, wealthy, generational wealthy family, you know, so I, I think that I the what I love about the the mystery is not only does it add to kind of the the suspense of the film, but also to the comedy too. That while some of the family members are like "Hail Satan," some of them are like "Hail Satan," like <laughs> they're just like I guess you know, like I, I kind of I, I I love how a lot of them are just kind of waiting around to see what happens, and then once the shoe drops, they're just Satan like did just oh. like kind of come out of nowhere for it. Yeah, like, it was like there was all the bail, and then all of a sudden, no, hail Satan, and then they're like, yeah, oh, wait, oh? <laughs> exactly, and then. 
seeing the look on their faces as they all just explode in yes even the children is just it's great it's it, there's a reason that uh, that ending is so memorable and apparently originally uh grace was supposed to die and i'm so happy that they went with this version of the story where you know again her sitting on the stoop after everybody just exploded in front of her i think it is it's outrageous it's funny it's also you begs the question of like how did she tell the police like what the fuck happened here you know um so i think that you know while it is brief i i think some could say rushed perhaps i think ultimately it does a good job of finally answering that question that you've been asking the entire movie but it not being the sole focus of the film because it is about grace and her survival and this what happens to these other people other than getting killed to me isn't I don't I don't give a shit as long as they die by the end of the film that's kind of all I care because I'm invested in grace and and what she goes through in this movie rather than you know this family and did they actually make this deal with the devil you know yeah well I well my other way was gonna be was I I wasn't gonna say I wanted grace to die but I meant was like uh because I think there because there's a funny moment where like they're all at first think it's bullshit and they like kind of have this realization they like kind of yeah are like oh my god we're so dumb and i like that they have that you know moment to take in their dumbness before they die but at the same time it's like what if they didn't explode then like what like it like yeah. grace is just gonna fucking have to murk them like because they were like well now what do we do you know and it's like well i'm definitely not staying married to you and like yeah. you guys aren't gonna uh, let I me go because i'm gonna go to the police so like she's still gonna have to like murk her way out and burn the house down regardless if uh they exploded which i think also would have been fun <laughs> Yeah, because you have the aunt who like runns after her anyway, but exactly. you know, so, like, then immediately, says, yeah. So, so I, I think, yeah, it immediately does of like, okay, there's no curse, but we still have to fucking kill you, you know. <laughs> I think that could have also been fun and still end with the house burning down. So yeah. I, I would have yeah. been fine either way. I think that's. Cool. Uh, I like that in that moment too, um, when they're all exploding and stuff at the end, is it's not an exact science how it takes that minute, even for each one of them, right? It's yeah. not. It's there's a delay. And to me, it always felt, and this way too, is when she is talking to um, uh, Alex, um, uh, and he's like still pleading with her. And it's kind of when she decides, no, fuck off. That's when he explodes. It's almost as if Lapont, like, because he gives her that head, you know, we get that the ghost head nod mm-hmm. in the chair. Is like he, like Lapont's like. I kind of want to like watching this the, it go down. But, like I kind of want to see yeah. what this girl does. Like there's oh, yeah, a respect no. there. I, I think she earned LaBelle's respect. Like that's that's how I saw it. Like LaBelle, like he's like you know this girl's all right, and like lets her like yeah. s- again like let it sink in like that he has to hear it first before he dies. You know I, I think, think he's a showman. You know he's he's a gamesman. I I think he's he's like being a good sport about it. She won. She was was victorious, and I think that you know it isn't science. It's witchcraft. It's a fucking demon devil man like i think he is probably being strategic in his own mind of like and now you and now you and now you <laughs> there's a there's also a part of it too right where it's probably right after like she probably inherits all of that she's the last member of that lapont family the Lamaze um, family the, uh, no, i'm sorry Lamaze uh, family yeah i mean well, well no there's they said there's still other members like she's, did she's everyone getting, have to be she's present? getting some money oh yeah it could be a sequel <laughs> no she's getting some money for sure like oh yeah she's she's getting uh some some settlement something the ending the ending works um i like you said yeah we probably could play it a little more time in that room and with them with the full ending um 
I, I, I think maybe cut out some of uh there's a lot of fighting in the movie between her and the butler strictly like it's there's almost to the <laughs> right. point where it's a little redundant I was like why is he the I was like why is he the mid boss I was like what is this uh, yeah <laughs> um, so I think maybe if you shorten like some of that up then we could you know but yeah that and it, it if she died at the end I don't think we're talking about this today no. I think that makes it such a it makes it such a fun twist and like you said with the stinger at the end like in laws am I right like it's yeah. It very much knows what movie it is, um, mm-hmm. and that's why it's that's to me why it works. Yeah. Um, and they're like flaws and all. Um, uh, so, what's uh, going to be your score out of uh, out of five out of five wedding dresses? Uh, what's going to be your uh, final thoughts and score for uh, Ready or Not, Joe? So, um, I'm going to stick with my letterbox score, and I, I want to change it to be honest with you because I realize how much I like this. So, whatever it's a three point five wedding dresses out of five. Um, I kind of want to move it to four, but it's already etched in digital ink so we'll leave it there <laughs> um yeah it's it's just my final thoughts are like generally if you're looking for starter horror or even just like a fun night of like what should we watch uh i think this is a perfect choice it's perfect for this hot halloween season because i know everyone has a different barometer of what they could handle in genre and i think this blends uh, blends blends things so well where it just has the vibe of the genre but there's no there's no spookiness in it i mean it's literally like i would say the spookiness comes from you know if you if like witchcraft really freaks you out or like the dead goats are jarring that's Mm -hmm. to me that's about it i i I think it's a just a a really really uh fine movie that um you know I'll, i'll always recommend and uh just um yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. It's but yeah, mm-hmm. three point five. If if I could go back, I'd give it a four. But I'm I'm satisfied with three five three eight. I know that's not your rating system, but three eight. <laughs> okay, well, you know, so sometimes it sits somewhere in the in that in between. Yeah, uh, Garrett, Garrett what are you feeling? Um, I feel like this is one of those movies to where I could poke uh, holes in it and and wish some things were different and some things were better. Um, but I think ultimately. This is just a really fun, enjoyable, uh, very, very rewatchable film that is bolstered by an excellent performance by Samara Weaving and then a whole lot of other really uh, great performances. We didn't talk much about him, but uh, uh, Henry Cizerny, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, who's like the main one of the main villains in like the first Mission Impossible movie. And he was in Dead Reckoning recently, as, bu- as well as a, bu- a bunch of other stuff. He's really great in this as the dad. Um, I think that this is full of like really colorful characters, very memorable moments. I think the gore is great and uh, very effective and gross, but funny, you know, I I think that this film is really just a great blend that just seems maximized to just deliver like the most enjoyable kind of popcorn munching, you know, horror film that you could really um, conjure up. Uh, And so, yeah, for me, I mean, I think, yeah, quality wise, it's probably not up here. But for myself, I think enjoyment wise, uh, it's at a four out of five wedding dresses for me. Okay, yeah, I was uh kind of similar to both of you guys. You know, I was like a little bit between three point five and four. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my three point five as well, which was uh, initially why I gave it. But this is a more unreserved three point five uh, versus my other one was a more reserved three point five. Uh, I know that just said the same number, but they're, they're different. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's so hard because the confidence I, of the 3.5. <laughs> yes. It, 3.8. It, it it's like 3.5. And you're like, no, it's a 3.5. It matters. <laughs> it matters, you know? Um, but yeah, because it is very, uh, it's very easy to watch. It's very competently made. It looks very good. 
Um, and it is uh, has a lot of interesting stuff, maybe a little too much interesting stuff at certain points for me, but um, but I still enjoy it. I think this is a nice addition to the death games uh, subgenre because it uh, still has shades of other movies, but it's also very unique in its kind of own execution as well. Uh, definitely, you know, again, star making performance by Samara Weaving. Um, her and her, the thing with her goat screams is, uh, you know, because like there's a lot of great screams in horror, you know, um, but I usually couldn't recognize like who it is. Like her scream, Samara Weaving scream, like 100%, you know exactly who that is. And that's what makes it such a great scream because it's so uh, distinct in that way. Um, uh, so, yeah, so she, she deserves all the flowers. And again, I just kind of want to see her in more things. And then uh, my uh, favorite, uh, but my favorite line reading of the movie, um, there's a part where um, they, uh, the dad and Adam Brody knock out uh, Alex in the, in the room and they're carrying him. And the dad uh, wants to flip a coin for which end to carry. And he's like, he's like, call it heads or tails. And Adam Brady goes, oh, who the fuck cares? <laughs> and they just like picks up the, uh, uh, the, and then they just pick him up and carry yeah. him off. Yeah. Uh, is just a uh, uh, top-notch stuff. Uh, yeah, Adam Brody is a, a secret, uh, the the secret scene stealer MVP for me. And uh, Elise Levesque, get at me. Um, so let's see what other movies we were talking about while we were discussing Ready or Not. All right, here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to uh, conclude all of our discussions by playing movie math. We're going to play a game of our own this month, uh, but except we do it every month. Uh, but you just have to take some of the films that reminded you of the movie that we are discussing t today and uh, put it in some sort of mathematical equation. Uh, Joe, you're new around these parts, so I will uh, kick it over to Devon so he can uh, give you an example of how it's done. Gave me a little fake out there. Uh, I was like, oh, snap. Um, but, uh, yeah, for mine, um, uh, definitely have a few that have kind of come up, and I tried to pick some uh, other ones as well. Uh, first one uh, being The Hunt, which uh, came out the next year. Um, another, you know, most dangerous games uh, involved with class and things like that. Uh, also kind of similar uh, in their balance of horror and comedy and action. Uh, that one even maybe a little bit more action-centric than this one. Uh, as far as like straight up action, because that one isn't as like uh, spooky horror as you would think. Um, but I think that movie was so interesting because like it hyped up its, you know, eat the rich thing so much. And then it turned into the oh, they don't want you to see this movie, blah, blah, blah. And it was like interesting because like the movie like kind of was pretty fair to like both sides of like who they were satirizing in like a surprising way. And it's like, why are you trying to make yourself out to look like a heel when you're kind of not? Um, I don't mm -hmm. know. But uh, I think it's a fun movie. And then I have that multiply with a movie I just watched last night. I texted Garrett about it. Uh, Dark Harvest, y'all. Um, it's uh, David Slade's latest joint, the guy that did uh, 30 Days of Night. Um, this was a movie that was like shelved for two years, but then now it's like finally been released. And uh, people have been talking about it. And uh, this uh, should be on everybody's spooky season list. It uh, is so, so spooky. It's so October vibes. It takes place on Halloween. A monster with a pumpkin head. Um, but what the film is uh, basically about, it's based off of a book is uh, in this town uh, every year the, the uh, senior boys or the junior senior boys in the, of the town uh, have to hunt this creature um, that uh, if they don't kill the creature, the creature like curses the town's crops and like the town and everything. So it's like um, a lot about, um, you know, your duty to your family and these like kind of curses that have been passed down over time and like 
um, paying for the decisions that your parents and family have made in the past. Um, uh, it's a it's a super cool setup of a movie, um, and I had an absolute blast with it. Um, so uh, if you're looking for uh, some good October flavor, check that one out. So I have those uh, multiplied in parentheses uh, divided by swallow. Um, because uh, this is a very different film than Ready or Not. However, um, I'm dividing it to uh, really latch onto the, the emotional core where in Swallow, uh, the main character is a, is a newlywed wife and she's kind of expected to be the uh, typical, you know, stay at home mom for this uh, rich guy who and uh, her parents are or the, the in-laws are very judgmental of her in the movie. You know, all, all of her fears are these like anxieties that she has about her place in this new family and what's expected of her. Um, so there's uh, some kind of uh, similar uh, emotional parallels between Grace and uh, the main character Swallow. Um, uh, that was one of my favorite movies of that year, so definitely go check it out. So yeah, so in parentheses, Hunt Times, Dark Harvest, uh, divided by Swallow. Checks out to me. What do you got, Joe? All right, so <clears throat> I'm going to do simple addition and subtraction, but that was <laughs> nice. really interesting. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to go with, uh, I swapped the movie out here, we're going to go with The Pest, plus Meet the Parents, plus... The house and ensemble from Knives Out, minus the mystery of Knives Out, plus the puzzle box from Hellraiser, minus the Cenobites, plus <laughs> the real devil from The Last Exorcism, equals ready or not. I yeah. like it. Okay. It, it, it checks out. It's like it, They still make the same thing. But like that's how it works in math, though. It's like when you do like the like it makes it the longer yeah. one versus when you start doing like the other shit. That's how you like yeah. cancel stuff out. But like I lo- we like the old school version as well. Uh, yeah, Garrett, yeah. I mean, I counted on my fingers to get there as well. Um, it's a, there's the no remainders. It all checks out. One hundred percent. Garrett, what I, uh, do you got? Uh, in uh, parentheses, uh, I have uh, your next, which was also mentioned in the discussion. Uh, obviously, uh, killer in-laws and family members, all that kind of stuff. Family members dying while people are trying to, uh, to uh, you know, grasp at, at mostly just money and inheriting wealth. Uh, divided by game night, uh, not only for like comedic reasons, but also having this idea in the fear of like a child's game being sort of brought to life uh, in a way. Uh, so I have uh, Game Night, uh, or Your Next, divided by Game Night in parentheses, raised to the power of Knives Out, which of course has been mentioned um, a bunch here. Definitely like themes of Eat the Rich, but also I do think that like spiritually they do have similar sort of vibes. I feel like they both exist like kind of in the same corner same and block. maybe in the same month, you know, same block. There you go. Uh, where, yeah, it's like you've got like the 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 architecture of the house and everything inside and then like all of these uh, colorful family member characters. Yeah, it's well, really I, just missing the horror call, elements. If you caught me at a like like off guard or at a bar, I'm talking about this movie. I would have probably been like, "Oh yeah, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, that one of the you know one of the the uncles in Knives Out is in you know would have flipped the actors around. I'm just once again blanking. Like that's how similar of the bones of these movies are. So um, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, they 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 exist in the same world. There's definitely satanic shit going on in the Knives this Out is, world. Uh, if uh, Ready or Not is October 31st, then Knives Out is November 1st. That's that's the way oh, that yeah. they that's the way that they line up. So hopefully, you got uh, some more movies to add uh, to your spooky season watch list. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you want to tell the people where they can find you and about your podcast? 
Yeah, no, so I had a blast. Um, so yeah, I you could find me at uh, my Twitter, Chindango, or our, or or a podcast uh, Twitter handle, Flyover State of Fear. Um, you can also find me on TikTok. Uh, I've just been making a lot of horror content, um, not even podcast related. Uh, but a little about Flyover State of Fear is either I have a guest on or with my co-host Brian. And uh, very similar, like most platforms, we just discuss and go through a horror movie. Uh, Devon had came on and uh, done American Psycho. And I, a big part of it is I like to learn about your horror origin story and like to find out, you know, what got you into horror or where did that come from and then talk about the movie at hand and mm-hmm. just kind of have a general discussion. Um, yeah, so you can check us out on YouTube, really, or any of the Spotify, the Apple Podcasts or audio and video so i'm around we'll have links to all that in the description below and uh yeah check out his podcast start with the american psycho episode we had a really fun conversation uh garrett what are you working on uh i also have been making uh, other uh halloween tiktoks and horror movie recommendations just in general i've been uh, making a lot more tiktoks than i have in recent months uh, which has been fun uh so be sure to uh, check out my page for those i've got a lot of already posted for this month uh but if you want some more podcast stuff for myself i also have another podcast but it's a star wars podcast uh so uh ahsoka just ended so we're going to move on and talk about some other things in uh, the galaxy far far away so uh we would uh love to uh, have y'all on uh, y'all on over there Yes, um, definitely uh, been a busy boy over on the talk. We love to see it. Uh, same thing, been uh, making some TikToks over on the Spectre Cinema page, as well as, um, you know, my c- usual coverage over on Pot and Pendulum. Um, you know, we are up through Jigsaw over there. So, you know, we're in the home stretch of the Saw movie. So make sure you go uh, listen to those episodes. You can also uh, hear me on um, some appearances. Uh, I popped up on Drunken Horror as uh, we thirsted over Dan Stevens and the guests for 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, super great episode. And then you can also hear me over on um, the Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies podcast talking a uh, spooky season staple, Pumpkinhead. Um, so definitely go uh, check that episode out as well. 